Welcome to the Live Peaceably Podcast. I'm Lionel Sims, Minister of the Northside Church of Christ. And I'm Camille Lewis, Licensed Mental Health Therapist. And here we talk about the practical side of faith and what it means to live peaceably. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Live Peaceably Podcast. My name is Lionel Sims. I serve as the minister of the Northside Church of Christ in Riverside, California, and I'm honored to have my co-host Camille Lewis with me. Um, We're really, really blessed to be able to have the discussions that we've had about scripture, specifically concerning wisdom, uh, because something like wisdom has to be dealt with not only internally in your own mind and personal experience, but also in collaboration with other people. Uh, wisdom has a lot to do with seeing the world and how you see the world. And I say all that to say, I believe these conversations have been beneficial for both of us because talking about wisdom and being able to glean from you, well, at least they've been beneficial for me uh, and hearing from you has been beneficial for me because being able to talk about wisdom in this way um, has allowed us to pull some gems from the text and see the individual passages in ways that I hadn't seen them specifically before. And I believe that that's strengthening my knowledge base and understanding as well as the application of scripture. So um, as we continue in our conversations, I would like to read for you all Matthew chapter 13 verses one through nine, where our text is coming from so that we can get a glimpse of the passage that we're coming from once again. Uh, It says there, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow seed. As he was sowing the seed, some fell among the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and the withered, because, and they withered, excuse me, because they had no, no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what it was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Matthew 13, 1 through 9. If you guys would, go to God in a word of prayer with me, and we'll go ahead and get started. Our Lord and our God, we're thankful because we understand that everything we receive is grace from you. We thank you for the day that you've given us, and we thank you for the opportunity that we have to discuss wisdom in your text. And we're asking that you bless us along the way. Open our understanding and be with not only Camille and I, but also be with all those who are listening. Bless them that they be able to discern our conversation and your voice. Allow us to benefit mutually and so that whatever we get in feedback, Father, we can also grow with and from. We ask that you see us through now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew 13, the seed that's sown on different types of ground. We established that there's four different types of soil. Right. Right. You have the type of soil. Well, four different types of ground. Right. You have the seed that fell on the road. Uh You have the seed that fell um, among the thorns or excuse me, in stony ground uh, where there was shallow soil. Uh, Then you have the seed that fell among the thorns. uh, And then you have the seed that it says fell on good soil. And in our conversation so far, we've been dealing with the different types of soil that we've experienced being, um, right. knowing how God plays a role in our lives and how his word changes and transforms us. Um, I guess after time, once you spent a good amount of time with God, you kind of learn um, what your triggers are, what your shortcomings are, where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are, all of that. And um, 
I think last time we talked about it, that sometimes, at least for me, um, I'm not always the same kind of soil. Sometimes I knew I can see myself as good soil, um, but also I have moments when, you know, um, the thorns kind of get to me or, you know, there's ground that or there's there's a word that um, I receive, but not fully. Um, or there's even some things that I just plain out don't hear, uh, whether that be willingly or that I'm not mature enough to receive it yet. But all the types of soil that we are allows us to open this conversation about being honest about what God's word is doing in our lives and in our hearts. So um, as we continue in the conversation, we kind of got into the conversation last last episode when um, uh, we realized that this whole event, this whole uh receiving the seed which is i believe we kind of establishes the word of god um and how we respond to it and what that looks like in development is the word i'll use how is it the seed that's sown plays a role in us receiving and growing in it and how do we work as i guess in some sense collaborators with god because knowing that God is the seed sower, that means that we have to ask questions about ourselves is what kind of soil or what we can do about the soil that we are. So, yeah. 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 If I could um, kind of once again, open the conversation uh, by putting the ball in Camille's court. You never do uh, that. <laughs> and um, uh, opening with the question or um, I guess just the thought of... Um, is there any particular way that or any particular thing you do to make sure that you're receiving the word of God, that you're actually receptive to what God is trying to say on a regular basis? You get what I'm saying? I think I get what you're saying. I, I don't know that I have any specific practices, um, at least not ones that I'm conscious or aware of specifically to make sure that I'm being receptive well do i i think it's a when i think about being receptive to the word of god i think about being receptive to god himself and about being receptive to to the spirit and allowing room for the spirit to work in me and to reveal the word in me so um that's what comes to mind when when you ask that and i do think that there is a lot of action that can be taken on our part to make sure that we maintain a posture of being receptive. We've talked a lot about, we've, we've talked a lot about um, being uh, stagnant and rigid and closed minded. And I think that this is a good place to kind of pick up some of those same concepts about making sure that we are open and humble enough to know that there is still more that God needs to reveal in us, whether it's about himself, about his will for our lives, about us, about ourselves. So if there are some things that maybe I, I do to make sure I maintain that posture, um, it's trying to make sure that I'm uh, humble enough to seek uh, and humble enough to um, lean into that mystery of God like we talked about last time. Um, in order to receive, we need to know and acknowledge that we don't yet have everything and that we don't have all of the knowledge or all of the wisdom or all of the understanding. If we believe that we already have ev everything or all of that, then I think it's going to be hard for us to be in a position where we can be receptive to anything. Does that answer the question? Yeah, it does. And that's the train of thought that led me to asking the question in the first place, because okay. for me, I've you know, had to bump my head 
and mm-hmm. realize that I'm repeating the same issues over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. I had to tell myself sometimes like, bro, you don't listen. Like you don't <laughs> listen because I see the same struggle reoccurring and not because it's just a temptation, the struggle, because I see myself getting low in the same places or, you know, finding myself to be um, repeating some of the same harmful cycles that I had in time past. And in those moments, I was just, like I said, telling myself, bro, you don't listen. And so in that kind of realization, I had to start first and foremost, pacing myself to a point where I could stop before I do anything to ask myself where I'm at with something. Um, I've started questioning my emotional attachments to things, Um, my my familial attachments to things, my cultural attachment to things like all these things play a role in what, you know, makes us who we are. And those are the things that ultimately get in the way when we're when we need to hear something new. And so the question came from that place of realizing that at some point you got to put in a barrier for you or a boundary for yourself so that you allow whatever God is communicating to you or whatever God is doing in you to take full to, uh, to, to take full root, to mm-hmm. really um, manifest and have the time to manifest and really pay attention to what you're asking God and how God is responding to your prayers and things like that. And so those kind of like not just boundaries, but those kind of additions to my life have been key in just trying to reshift my thinking, understanding and at at its core, just listening to God a little bit better. If that, so that's that's exactly where I was getting yeah. the question from. And it's just like you recognize your own weakness and do things that um, maybe for me, it may be different from from somebody else. Maybe it's just if you have a personal just dedicated pursuit of God and you want to do everything, which is why I, I want God to know, you know, what I'm doing first. I want God to, you know, speak to me first. I want to tell God first. And, you know, you might have that mentality. And that's kind of the safeguard also. That's kind of the thing that you put in place to make sure you're listening to the voice of God. So, you know, it may look different from everybody. It's just that's how it looks from my angle. When we talk about collaborating with God, um, what's coming up for me and, and also some some conversations that I've been having lately um, is the, the question, what are you bringing to the relationship? Um, we have really leaned into the relational aspect of God. And I know for me personally, it's been so helpful to um, interact with him in that way. Um, but just like with, with people, we bring our own stuff to the relationship and it affects the way that we're able to show up and it affects the way that we're able to navigate that connection and that relationship. And I believe that the same is true with God. You're talking about different boundaries and things that we have in place for ourselves and different ways that uh, we, we, we learn are healthiest for us to navigate. But in addition to that, there are things that I think that we're not aware of that we bring into our relationship with God uh, that affects our posture. And that affects our our openness in our heart space and the way that we are able to encounter him. And um, so this is where, you know, the, the mental and emotional kind of coincides with the spiritual, because if we don't have a level of self-awareness, um, yes, in the context of our relationship with God and outside of that, if we don't have a level of self-awareness about the way that we are able to uh, show up and connect and interact with authority figures, with parental figures, with male figures, uh, with with leaders, with leadership. If we are not aware of the 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 ways that we show up in 
those spaces as well, because God is so many things to us. Uh, our relationship with God is so complex. It's like 80,000 different relationships all in one. And in our human life and in the world, we navigate different types of relationships differently. So what do we do when all of those relationships are in one being and are in one place? How are we actually navigating that? But more so, how does that affect the way that we're able to listen, the way that we're able to respond, the way that we're able to trust, the way that we're able to believe, yeah. the way that we're able to understand? And in this whole conversation about collaboration and um, coming alongside as alongside God as he's guiding us, what else, what are you bringing as you're coming alongside him? Uh, we all have barriers in our own spiritual walk um, and God's still showing me some some barriers even that that I've had. Um, and as he's showing me these things, it's, it's really interesting, something that has been helpful for me. One of the ways that he's showing me things is through my like emotional response to things. Um, hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm ha- if I'm having like a very strong reaction, emotional reaction to something, then I'm getting curious about that. Um, especially if that emotional reaction or that emotional response is somehow um, affecting my perception of God or who I believe that he is in that moment or in this one area or space in my life. Um, And so I've had to get, well, I don't know if it's a matter of me getting honest or about God just kind of showing me some, some things that are in the way, some things that are making it difficult for me to be an effective collaborator with him. And my prayer a lot of the time has been like, move me out the way. Like, I don't want to insert myself into this at all. Like, I just want it to be you, God. I just want it to be you. And so on one level, that is what I want. And that is my hope and prayer. But God is showing me the things that are making it difficult for that to be a reality in my life. He's showing me the things inside of me that are making it difficult for me to live out his will, which is to order each and every one of my steps and which is to um, bring his plans from, from my life into fruition. So I think it's just, it's, there's more reflection that has to be done, but I think it's the type of reflection that we cannot do on our own. It's the type of reflection that comes when we ask God to show us ourselves. And when we ask God to show us the barriers that we have in maintaining that intimacy with him. So you just threw the, what do you bring to the table question into our relationship with God. Is that what I heard? I think so. Maybe. My goodness. <laughs> In any other context, I don't know if I would want to have that conversation. But yeah, with, with God, we actually, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, to, uh, uh, not adding on, just... Uh, in listening to what you were saying, how you have an emotional response or you, you, you pay attention to the emotional response that you have towards things mm-hmm. that kind of gauge how your relationship with that thing or what those things are. Um, and, you know, that's kind of something that I think is really interesting because in order to do that, you got to know yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's what that sounds like is a high level of self-awareness in knowing how you respond to something that can determine what role that thing is going to play in your life. Like if mm-hmm. I, like you said, if you emotionally respond to it, that just kind of means you're interested or you're curious about that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Is that how it kind of. Well, so sometimes and depending on, de- depending on the response. So I'm trying to put all my business out there, but it's already out here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like. 
there's something that I was really, really wanting and yearning for and like just having a really hard time with the fact that it was not in my life yet. Um, and it started to feel like a need instead of a want. And when I had that realization, that was what stopped uh, me in my tracks. Uh, um, okay. Because yeah, yeah. why am I having this strong reaction or response to this thing not being here in my life? Why does it feel so urgent that I need this this thing? to be in my life. I should not feel that level of urgency about anything outside of God. And what what I realized it was for me was that there was a need in my life that I felt like could only be fulfilled in this way through this thing that I was waiting to happen. And so that showed me that there's a need that I'm not trusting God with. If I really feel like the only way for this need to be met is by this means or by this vehicle that I've decided is the best way to meet this need. So that showed a whole area of my life that I was not trusting God in. Um, I did not know his capacity. I, I was doubting his capacity to meet a specific need. I was, and and for me, a lot of it, it was, it was actually coming up in the context of relationships and, and community. And, you know, I moved recently and like really wanting to make connections with people and whether it be friendship or otherwise, but, um, and I, it just, to me, always came down to like, but I have these emotional needs that are, are fulfilled in the context of relationship with other people. And so I need other people in order to meet the specific emotional needs that I'm aware of. But it, it, it got to, it got to a moment where, um, I realized that, uh, I realized that humans, people were the only way that I could get a need met within me. I'm an emotional being. We've talked about the fact that God made us emotional beings. God is familiar and gave us the whole spectrum of, of human emotion. But God's not going to give us a need that he's not able to meet. So for me, my my emotional experience led me to, to see um, a spiritual deficit that I had that I was not aware of. Um, even though this this like need or this thing that I was desiring is I've I've it was not a new want it was not a new desire but when I paid attention to the way that that want or desire was showing up for me and the way that that desire was beginning to affect me I I was seeing that it shifted from being a want to a need so now am I idolizing the idea of this thing that I don't have so much so that it's making me frustrated with God is it making me bitter with God and jaded and so now I'm bringing bitterness into my relationship with God all because I don't believe that you can meet this emotional need that I have yeah yeah I felt that exact way about Oreos two weeks ago, but let me explain. Oreos. <laughs> make it make sense. <laughs> it was absolutely essential. It was. What do you mean make it make sense? It makes sense. Oreos are essential. I don't understand how that doesn't make sense. Okay, I don't sure. have any further explaining to do. Oreos are important. <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am going somewhere with this seriously because this is okay. like a microcosm of how I understand the concept of mm-hmm. trying to be responsible even in that way because I always am on this in and out when it comes to what I eat and what I don't eat and what I'm trying to do better with myself and my life and my body. But one thing that has really steered me away from doing the wrong thing in terms of my eating habit is thinking about what I think of the next morning and how I feel the next morning. And there is nothing worse than waking up in the morning and still having Oreo cookies on your breath. You just don't feel like a good person. <laughs> You just, it's just something about 
having or smelling the Oreos in the morning and seeing an Oreo wrapper next to your bed, that just makes you feel uncomfortable about yourself. And so when I think about the things that I want immediately, it was very difficult for me to even fathom what it looked like to have delayed gratification or not even just delayed gratification, but actually just making um, a healthier decision for what I want for myself in my life. Now, that means that I had to change my relationship with everything that I consumed because I can't just put it on, you know, a little bit of this here, a little bit of this there. I had to think differently about how I was processing my diet. But anyway, I was just um, I was just talking to somebody about the exact same thing recently um, about just the idea of changing in the spirit that you're talking about it from and realizing that there may be something that could be potentially unhealthy, but the need or the want isn't necessarily excuse me, the want the desire for that thing isn't necessarily the problem you know it's just like right. there's certain things that you have to accept the fact that it's not necessarily a problem that you want it but you do have to step into it without going too far and that's where it gets tough with engaging it with not without being pulled all the way in with realizing that there may be a space in your life for this desire, but it can't consume me to the point where I feel that I can't live without it. And like just right. trying to find that balance in that space right there is incredibly difficult because it does require constant balance and checking yourself. You can't just set it and forget it. You can't just say, oh, okay, this is what I want and I'll just leave it at that. It's just, no, it's going to constantly re, re, uh, rear its head. You know, it's never going to leave you alone because if it's a desire, if it's a desire and now you got to deal with the fact that you want something that you either don't have or you can't have. But at the same time, be. I want to say content, but I feel like there's a better word for it, um, but still be in tune, I'd say, with the way God is navigating or the way maturity or responsibility is navigating your real life, if that makes sense. It. It does. And I think that uh, this is also a conversation about contentment. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if it's so much about us finding or creating balance between our desires and the will of God, or if it's finding God in our desires and assessing wait, whether wait, or wait, not. Wait, 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 you ain't just going to run by that. Like you didn't <laughs> just say that. Repeat, repeat what you just said. I, I think I said, I, I don't believe that it's as much about us finding or creating balance between our desires and the will of God, but it's about finding God in our desires. If we have to Come create on. balance between what I want or what God wants, then there's a misalignment. They should not be so different that we have to try to create space for both. When we're, when we're walking in the spirit, our desire should be that that my desire is God's desire, that my desire, uh, change my desire, God, so that it is your desire for my life. Um, if mm. there's something that I feel like I need that's outside of you, or I feel like you cannot meet that desire for me, that's a lie. That's a lie of the enemy, first of all, that there is any need that God cannot meet for me. But if I doubt his ability to meet me there, then it's maybe because I have not encountered him there in the space where this desire lives. So I believe that we, we, we at that point um, have, have a call to meet God and encounter him in new ways. And maybe when God is showing you an area or a desire where um, it, it is not in alignment with who we know he is or uh, his will for our life, then maybe that's an invitation for us to learn to encounter him 
in a new way so that we won't have a desire that lives outside of him or outside of his will. I think you just opened up an important door in learning what it means to not keep your wants away from your spiritual growth and your communication with God. Mm. A lot of people don't recognize that they keep their wants and their desires away from God because they feel guilty about their wants and desires. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot, a lot of people who are spiritually handicapped because they feel guilty about the things that they desire, the things that they're attracted to. And they feel like they can't have relationship with God when these things are pressing on their hearts. And it's like Mm -hmm. when you have things that you really do want to pursue and it may not be spiritually healthy, that in and of itself can, can, can ruin a relationship. It can completely decimate a relationship because just like in our relationships with each other, um, when we talk about, you know, uh, even people when they're when they're ready to settle down and we talk about, you know, marriage and 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 dating and those things it's like you have especially when i talk to to my to my guy friends <laughs> they, they always bring up the fact i was talking to somebody not that long ago and we talked about this exact thing with he wants the woman he's with but he's not ready to settle down mm-hmm. and i'm thinking to myself it's like you he, I, i'm thinking like do, do you think women are going to be less attractive if you get married i, I want to know like he, do you do you think that they just aren't going to be appealing anymore like at some point you have to ask yourself are you willing to take the whole of you into a relationship and keep the whole of you in check because right. the walk with god is a constant walk of looking at yourself again and then looking at yourself again and then looking at yourself again because there's going to be things that are constantly piquing your interest sparking your desires pulling you one way or pulling you another and it's not necessarily the unhealthy things it's not the things that are necessarily there to destroy you it's just when you've learned that you can find a little bit of solace by watching football on the weekends well that's cool but now that you've spent six days in a row watching football and your family don't know where you are you know All those things are elements to how you temper the desires that you have without them becoming unhealthy. And so if you neglect to bring the whole of yourself, your desires included to the hand of God, then you're going to delay a relationship that eventually never gets off the ground and never grows because you're so concerned about having desires in the first place or having those wants and the things that you may or may not think you need. But really all the things that we want or need have to meet their level of temperance. They have to meet their level of balance so that we can exist in the world that we live in knowing that there may be things that I want but that doesn't mean that God cannot fill whatever voids I'm experiencing that doesn't mean that he can't rearrange my desires that doesn't mean that he can't change my mind or take this temptation out of my system whatever it is it's about the hand of God I mean just repeating what you're saying Mm -hmm. in what we give him because when you see God and everything that you've handed over that's when transformation begins to happen 100% completely in this whole conversation about our desires and our wants I'm thinking about um, when I'm doing therapy with folks and um, there are certain things that live on the surface of our life and there are certain things that live beneath the surface and um, sometimes in order to understand what's happening on the surface we have to dig deeper and understand what's happening below the surface and I think it's healthy to take a similar approach to our desires when it comes to whether or not they're in alignment with God's will. Um, Because to your point, there are always going to be things that we want and things that pop up that pique our interest and, and that are appealing or attractive to us. We have to 
when those desires start to play a different role or when they start to grow beyond a certain point is when we have to get curious enough uh, and courageous enough to um, explore and try to understand how and why this desire now has turned into this big, huge thing. At what yeah. point does a desire become an idol? And why is this something that you you feel that you need so strongly? What is it that's lacking in you? And that, I think, is going to lead us to the place that maybe you have not allowed God to enter your heart. Or maybe there's something beneath the desire that you've not yet surrendered to God. And because you've not yet surrendered to surrendered that thing to God, we're still trying to meet our own needs. And we're still trying to have control over what we do with this thing that lives within us. And that's where the desire that lives on the surface of our life comes in, comes into play. So it's about, yes, acknowledging that like we want these things. Sure, there is some assessment about whether or not the things that we want are uh, in alignment with God's will and, and who we know God to be. And I think that this is where the conversation about like tilling the soil of our heart comes in because that's where our desire yeah, comes from. It, yeah. it comes from, from, from the heart and from the spirit. So what is in your heart space that's producing these desires that you have. You know, we a while back talked about like the wellspring of your heart and what's getting down to the root of your heart that is now springing up in either the fruit that you're producing or in the the desires or the things that are now living on the surface of who you are. Yeah. So I think it's, it's like a culmination, I think, of a lot of the things that, that we've been talking about. But as we are looking at what it means to collaborate with God and what are the actionable things that we can do in order to uh, contribute to living out his will uh, so much of it is this internal work this internal reflection and transparency that will um, reveal to us the the areas in our life where uh, where where we're not where, where we don't have good soil as you're talking I'm thinking exactly about that because I'm really upset that you brought it back to the soil I wanted to do that I wanted to be the one that brought it back to the main text <laughs> But my bad. <laughs> that's, not, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's just um, when you talk about the soil and how it affects the seeds, there's a reason why soil. Uh, there's a reason why seeds need soil, and that's because seeds take up root within soil. Mm-hmm. Once the seed is planted in the soil, the soil's purpose now changes, and it serves as a nutrient base for the seeds. So once you have what we consider to be the seed or the word or the presence of God that now exists in your heart, the function of it next is that it's supposed to take root. And I think that's the exact process that we're dealing with right now is what we're talking about is what it means for the seed to take root, because a lot of us are receptive of the seed in some sense. But when the seed takes up root, that means it starts expanding to other territories. And I think if we just parallel this to the internal experience, that's a completely different, you know, um, uh, uh, image than what a lot of us have when it comes to God in our lives. Um, to see God as as being rooted in us is just like you know when you see I don't know I heard I don't know I heard this when I was a kid and I never like forgot and I keep hearing it time and time again. But when trees are planted in proximity to each other, they form an underground network of their roots. 
And so as they grow and as they expand, not only do they anchor themselves in the soil or in the ground or in the dirt, but they also tie themselves or intertwine themselves with themselves. So that's that those roots are going to twist around each other, even if it's just one tree or if there's multiple trees, those roots are going to tie in with the roots of the other trees. And then at that point, the function of the soil isn't just to sit there chilling. The soil is now supporting all the nutrients that the trees or that the seed is receiving. And so whatever water the seed gets, there's a reason why you can't plant a seed above ground. If you pour water on a seed, it's not going to grow. If you set a seed in the sun and pour water on it, it's still not going to grow. The way soil functions is that in its makeup, it has the necessary nutrients it needs in order to sustain the sunlight and the water. And so sunlight and water, when it hits soil and then affects a seed is different than sunlight and soil when it just hits a seed that's above ground because the soil is supporting and retaining and providing the opportunity for that seed that was, you know, just as much of a seed as it was before ground. But now we see that seed completely differently because watching something take root means that it's going to occupy more space. It's going to have longevity and it's going to have the strength to grow upward because it's now taking root under the ground. And I think that's where a lot of us are missing what spiritual development really looks like because we do all the above ground things in order to try to portray or uh, to, 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 to grow ourselves spiritually. I mean, and I don't think we recognize it, but like reading your Bible, that's an above ground thing. Mm. Studying your Bible is an above ground thing. Going to church is an above ground thing. All the things that we do religiously, those are above ground things. Soil is the heart. And so if the above ground things that you're doing aren't rooted in below ground strength, then it's never going to make its way to a healthy place above ground. And I think just seeing the word of God take root in our heart is what Jesus was intending the entire time when he was giving his ministry. He didn't give a whole lot of qualms about how many numbers he got, how many people were following him, how many times people would hear his word and reject him. He wasn't concerned about that as much as he was, as he says in this passage, he who has ears, let him hear. My word will take up root in the people who can receive it in good soil. And it's like, oh, I get it. <laughs> it's like you, you weren't just speaking to me so that I could listen and respond. Your word is trying to occupy space that ultimately now, as it takes a root, controls every other part of my life. So now the word that is settled in my heart has extended to my mind and it's extended to my to my emotions and it's extended to my understanding of the world. And so now everything that makes me who I am is in contact with the seed because the seed has done more than just be planted. It's taken up root now. And I think a lot of us are having a Christian experience, but we're not letting the seed take up root. And that's problematic because you're asking people to do spiritual things. You're asking people to have spiritual mentalities. You're asking people to treat people in spiritual ways. But all of those things that require a religious side of you aren't 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 coming into fruition because the seed isn't, you know, does that, that makes sense, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That is good. Hmm. Yeah, I like the distinction between uh, the above ground things versus the below ground, because that is saying the internal versus the external. The external are the things that can be seen, the things that other people can see. That's the, the, the checklist that we talk about a lot. And you're welcome to do all of those things. I think you can do all of those things and and, um, and still be uh, un unpleasing, displeasing to God. Um because if your internal system is not reflective of him, 
and of who he is. So if his word has not actually taken root so much so that it can affect every part of your internal working, like you were just saying, as it go from the heart to the mind, to the emotion, to the body, to, to everywhere else, the word of God does not just live in one space within us. I, I think growing up a lot, there was like a separation between my church life and then the rest of my life, my yeah, church friends exa- exactly, and everyone else. Exactly. But I think what we're saying now is that when the word of God truly takes root in your life. There is no separation. All of it is uh, is reflection of him. All of it is fruit. It's, it doesn't just live at church or in the church building or with your church friends or with church people. It, it can't. And I think when when the word truly takes root, it's impossible for it to only stay in that one place. And when we try to just keep it there, we're, we're actively stifling the word of God and, and his spirit and the will of God. So we have to be open and allow yeah. the word to take root everywhere and not only stay in this one little planter where maybe it started, but it, yeah. it has to go. It has to go everywhere. And when you were talking about the trees connecting underground with the roots of other trees, um, I think that that's a, there's a whole other part of this um, about being in community with other fruit-bearing trees and how that strengthens us, right? I, I heard something that, something the other day that said like a br- one single branch on its own cannot produce fruit. It's when it's connected with the other branches that are also connected yeah. to the tree and connected. That's when fruit is produced. So while so much of this work is individual, um, and I was listening back to our episode last week. Um, I think there was a part of it where I was like, I mean, yeah, that's that's fine from the like evangelical perspective, but more so like, what well, your your business is your business. I was saying something like that, something like, you know, if you want to reject Christ, like that's that's on you. But there, that th- we need one another, and we need to um, we need to have an awareness of who else in our life is trying to be pleasing to God, where else around us is the word taking root? Who else is allowing or trying to allow the word to take root in their life in a similar way that I am so that we can connect and allow the word to take root in even more places than it would if it were just in me alone. And when it takes root in more places and it produces fruit in more places. So our collaboration is with God and with other folks who are running the same race. Yeah, yeah. I, I love this little pocket right here because I feel like this is so essential to like the way tr- church has evolved, especially yeah. in the past generation and with us specifically because our personalities aren't the same as our parents and grandparents in a lot of ways, nope. especially when it comes to doing church. Um, and what the church does and its priorities have, you know, in some degree for some congregations they've changed and a lot of churches they didn't change and we saw it be to their demise and for a lot of us we're seeing now in our adulthood the results of some of the ways that we've been taught and it's 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 crazy to see it's crazy but this is why jesus i this is why i have a weird relationship with people because our fellowship we have a lot to do with evangelism we love to go out and door knock and talk to people about jesus and get people baptized we love evangelism and getting people saved and it feels like i'm a fish out of water sometimes and trying to bolster up this part because i still maintain that jesus didn't come to get folks baptized he came to call hearts 
And that's a huge difference for me because Jesus let people who weren't listening walk away. He yes. wasn't trying to knock on anybody's door that didn't want to come after him. He wasn't trying to build relationships with the people that were only antagonizing. He wasn't trying to argue with the people that always had an argument because Jesus always used language that said, if the people want to hear me, they will hear me and they will come because I'm not calling everybody who's under the sound of my voice. I'm calling those who have the hearts to hear. And truthfully, it's taken me 35 years to understand this. I'm not even 35 yet. I'm 34. And I'm just giving myself a little bit of grace because I haven't understood it fully yet. But it's this exact thing of letting the word of God take up full root that has really kind of escaped me. It really has evaded me. And I thank God for the spirit because the spirit has been doing that exact thing in me without giving me the language for it for a long time, a very long time. I grew up in a religious environment where it was very countercultural. Now that's not a bad thing necessarily, but when you grow up in very, very, um, not just religious, but, um, culturally polarizing, um, uh, faiths or, 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 or churches, uh, it causes an automatic rift between you and culture. Um, and, and, Mind you, I'm not talking about culture as in the world, quote unquote. I'm talking about the culture that actual children are raised in, in their society. Like, for example, I'm technically the hip hop generation, what we would call it. For the majority, if not all of my youth, the church had real beef with the genre of hip hop. And so there's a lot of me that's making me who I am. That's really having to keep it away from the church because the church is against what's culturally developing me. And so yeah. I'm realizing that I have to do everything in my power to keep my church life away from my hip hop music. And so now I'm automatically living two lives because they're both very much so a part of me. But now I'm falling into my hip hop life without having any spiritual guidance because mm -hmm. I don't see the church as being helpful in my hip hop development. And so yeah. now it's just like I'm just being bred to have, especially growing up in California, because like California is not only one of the most secular places, not just in the country, but in the world. But you also have California churches, especially within our fellowship, that are actually hyper conservative in California contrast even to other churches around the country when i went to other states i was so surprised at the conservative nature of the place that i had grown up i'm just like oh y'all y'all ain't tripping on this here oh okay so there's this big riff yeah in california well growing up the way we grew up and just realizing that you know what they don't like they're not gonna like the way that i dress when i go to my prom so i'm not gonna invite my church folks to my pre-prom they're not gonna wow. like the way that i dress when i you know have my birthday dinner so i'm not gonna invite the church folks to my birthday dinner and it just causes us to ease easily move along two tracks we're already good at code switching so we just apply the same thing to our church relationships and so after a while something breaks and for most of us we lose the relationship with the church because the church refuses to keep up with culture at least the mentality or the 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 thought processes of the world but that's not what jesus did and that's not who jesus was jesus never lost the message of god or the word of god but he spoke to the people that were in the context that he was in he knew the people and what they were currently going through and what mentalities they had which is why he wasn't just hiding everybody in the temple he called the prostitutes he called the lame he called the thieves he called all of them because he knew fundamentally where they were and he wasn't requiring them even to be perfect off the bat. We talk about Peter all the time, one of Jesus' closest disciples. Peter walked with Jesus for three years. He was still pulling out swords when somebody got close to Jesus. He was threatening him because that was who Peter was as a person. 
And because Peter was able to be a person and still walk with Jesus, he was able to have the word of God take a different kind of root in him. And I'm realizing now that in my adult years that it has to permeate all of your life. You can't just have the gospel playlist and the hip hop playlist. Like yeah. once you realize that the word of God is permeating your heart, I used to think that it just meant, oh, you got to get rid of the you got you got to get rid of the the hip hop playlist. Like mm-hmm. yeah, that's what the word of God in your heart means. But nah, it's you know what? There are some lyrics that I just can't rock with. There are some right. things that I just no longer can sit well with. I'm not going to get rid of all of it, but my discernment has changed to the point where I know how to listen to what I can chew and spit out the bones with versus what I have to get over, get rid of completely. But the part of it that I wasn't expecting was the way that it affected my church life as well. Because now, not all gospel music is cool with me either. And I'm just like, this is mind-blowing. Not all church activity is good with me. Not all church people are good with me. And so all these things that the Word of God does within you give you discernment for every element of your life, every part of who you are. And then you learn how to navigate it that way Instead of just trying to take this route that's perfectly holy, you realize that you're a complicated person that has weird experiences sometimes. And you've got to learn how the true word of God takes root in your heart and then eventually evolves everything that you are and brings up a unique kind of fruit. Because when the God, the word of God actually does that to you, when it actually starts transforming the way you think, you start improving your philosophy about living. You know what I'm saying? Because it's more than just about being able to quote scriptures. It's no, I I truly genuinely believe this about life and about people and about everything that's around me because God isn't just touching my church life. God is making me a completely new person. And this is how I'm saying these kind of texts take shape. And that was a lot, but that's how I see these kind of texts take shape it was, in, in it, it was setting so, in our hearts. Yeah, it, it was so good. I, I'm still stuck on what you were saying about our churches in California being so conservative. I never thought about the fact that... Um, California is terribly secular and uh, like extremely liberal. Um, And I never thought about the correlation between um, the, the culture and how secular and liberal the culture is and how conservative our churches are. And I think in this moment, I'm finding some grace for some of our leadership that I have maybe been frustrated with because of the legalism and the rigidity And now this perspective, I can see that it was protective in a sense. And Mm -hmm. so I can appreciate that. What I think it also did, what I know it also did, was that it, it did not create a welcoming environment for people, which means that it was not a welcoming environment for the spirit because the spirit can be alive in and is available for people. And Jesus went to people everywhere, people. And when we have taken an ultra conservative approach in order to try to balance the ultra ultra liberal culture, we've seen it time and time again that we've gone so far in the other way that we are excluding those who need him the most because they exist in this really secular place and really secular culture, but they're not allowed into our conservative spaces. Yes, yes, Mm. yes, Mm. yes. This is why, and from that vantage point is now where I talk about Jesus cleansing the temple with a whip when Jesus Mm. was turning over tables because then you realize, oh, this is why he was angry. 
not because they had they were they were having a bake sale in the foyer of the temple, but because it was occupying the space where the Gentiles could safely come to the temple. That was where the people that weren't Jews could come and pray because mm-hmm. that space was what Jesus was coming to make way for. And I think about it the same way, like exactly what what you're saying when it comes to um, when it comes to, to uh, the spirit, man, the spirit, the spirit does dirty work. The spirit yeah. does the dirty work. The spirit absolutely. deals with the people that we absolutely can't stand. And as much as we consider ourselves to be gracious and forgiving people and, uh, you know, come one, come all church. Don't let a Don't don't let a murderer walk into your church building because mm-hmm. we all collectively agree that you're wrong and we don't like the wrong that you do. And right. we can look through jails right now of people that we would throw under the jail if it was our decision. So, well, you know, welcome you in. If you have a little bit of, you know, if you have a little bit of sexual temptation, come on through. You know what I'm saying? If you had some gambling <laughs> problems, come on through. If you had maybe you some drug issues. Then, yeah, right. you had a cigarette, you know, come on through. We like those <laughs> kind of sins. But the Holy Spirit does the hard work of the people that are really cold spirited. And it's yeah. like you can't see the work of the spirit unless you allow space for the people that are truly struggling with life and are truly engaging in life and you can't just walk a spiritual path without acknowledging that people have real life issues and they have real life mentalities and they're just things that the spirit of god can do and is willing to do if you would just give the spirit of god the space to do Mm -hmm. and that's key for so many people's personal development but even like the cultural thing when i went to texas that was when i realized how 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 deep it was because like (laughs) being out here like being young and like doing preaching and stuff like that it's so weird it's so weird like you do not want to go to school and tell people what you're doing this weekend it's just crazy but (laughs) when (laughs) when you go to texas it's just like they might not go to your church but everybody goes to some kind of church you go to georgia or louisiana mississippi it's like everybody goes to somebody's church and so if you tell them that you're doing church activities on the weekend are you missing something because y'all got a revival or you're gonna be a consecration this week whatever it is like everybody understands no matter where you are you can go to school and say that and they're like oh okay you know you're a church kid but it's like you know most of us are church kids and some way and so there was a easier crossover from your spiritual life to your public life which of course both of them have their ups and downs like you said one of them being more conservative is very protective which is a positive but at the other side when you have people that are truly trying to let the spirit of god navigate their entire life experience you got to realize that it gets bumpy on that road like it gets real messy on that road and i even had early experiences in ministry where I had to just sit down quietly. I didn't speak to people much about it, but the people that I had judged in my heart about their lifestyle, like I had to sit down really early with that and just realize that there is no reason, number one, that I should judge them because number one, they've walked a path that I have not touched. And number two, God is doing something in them completely different than what he's doing in me. Right. Also, when you read about the people and actually believe the people that you read about in the Bible, then you realize that these Bible characters were actually worse than a lot of the people that you know. Like yeah. you would absolutely hate. Like I reread some of the stuff that David did. I'm like, yo, like <laughs> <laughs> we we would have crucified you, bro. Like we we would have been absolutely done with you as a leader. Because it wasn't just him doing stuff when he was a shepherd boy. King David, who was over Israel, was doing some of this stuff. And so it's just like the things that you realize God is willing to do, the places God is willing to go, that you aren't willing to touch gives you grace for yourself and for other people. Because you realize that whatever it is God is doing to me, he's really going to get below the surface. And he's really going to do the internal work. And you're not going to be able to see everybody's growth the same way. It just, you know, it's, it, it, it changes the way you do you do spiritual 
growth and development and, and personal maturity. Because yeah. now you realize how much is out of your hands, but also how much is in your hands that you've been neglecting. Yeah. And beyond that, I think it transitions from religious development to spiritual development. Those yeah. are two very different things. And I think a yeah. lot of us have been led in religious development, but <laughs> not as much in spiritual on, development. I have been um, thinking lately about this concept of discipleship. Um, and uh, I guess in some in some religious spaces and um, in some churches, when someone when someone is baptized, when someone joins the faith, they are then discipled and taught how to live it out and taught how to uh, like the, the, the how basically of living right and living righteous and, and living holy. Um, and to your point earlier, we have put a lot of focus on the numbers and on getting people in the water. And we say it a lot. We say a lot, save souls and keep the save saved. We say it yeah. a lot, but in action, um, I just have been thinking about how beneficial it maybe would have and still probably would be for me to like actively um, be under someone to actively have someone like guiding and intentionally kind of showing and helping me learn and helping me to develop and growing spiritually. And I think I think that was afforded to some people in our fellowships, but definitely not to the majority. Um, and so that has left a lot of us to um, try to find, figure out the how on our own. Um, yeah. And that is really difficult when you're a new babe. Um, and that's difficult when uh, this spiritual development is missing from our fellowships because that's where you start to try to understand God and to try to understand what he wants for you. You start at church as, as we should. Um, but church should not only be about religion. It should be about the spirit and it should be about the spiritual. Um, and that spiritual development, I think, is for everyone, not just for people who want to preach or are Absolutely. allowed to preach. Absolutely. I, I, I believe wholeheartedly that like almost 100 percent of the thing that we require preachers to do, everybody should be doing. That's what I'm learning now, like very recently. I think that's why I enjoy our podcast so much because I'm like, you know, I want to, I, I like thinking about the Bible in different ways. I want to learn some theology. I want to learn where some of these words come from in the Hebrew. I want to know this and I want to, <laughs> but that has never, ever been encouraged or promoted to the general assembly. In fact, exactly. I've heard the opposite about you don't need to go to seminary. You don't need to go to people call themselves doctor. This is so and so and so. We don't need that. <laughs> I've heard the opposite. Of that. So now I'm like, wait a minute. Like there's just there. There's so much more. But but yeah, that's that's what I've been thinking recently is like I, I understand why it was encouraged and promoted for preachers and for people who want who wanted to preach. I don't understand why it was not encouraged for everyone who wants to understand. I'm so the glad you came here and told the truth. I am elated <laughs> that you came here and told the truth because in ministry, I can tell you, I have been struggling with that because mm -hmm. my pers my approach to ministry, I, I can admit it's different than our predecessors a little bit, but mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I really wanted to do earlier at, at, at Northside is um, how to study your Bible class. 
I could not for the life of me believe or understand why there was so much pushback against it. Mm. I could not understand it. Like I was like, ain't this, this is, ain't this what we, this is what we've mm-hmm. been talking, this is what we've been trying to do, right? Didn't, mm-hmm. Ain't we been telling people to study their Bible for generations? Like, exactly. This is, <laughs> how, why are you discouraging what we're trying to do? You realize very quickly that a lot of us, when I say a lot of us, I'm talking about like lay church members in general as we were raised in churches, what's actually expected is that we listen to the person speaking and we just read the Bible in accordance with what they've said. Yes. I don't necessarily encourage you to study. I just want you to go back and reread the scripture that I just quoted. That's what I mean when I say study. And so that mentality leads us to a place where we were never really students. We were never really studiers. We were never mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. pursuers of the word of God. And I've dealt with a lot of people that truthfully just don't know how they don't know where to start. But we always have this desire of, oh, I want to know more. Or we say we do. We have the I want to know more. I want to learn more. But really, we haven't been given the tools or the skills or the mentality or the platform to be completely about that life. And yeah. You learn that the the reason why there's pushback towards teaching people how to study their Bible is because it can be it can almost be counterintuitive to what churches do or what what, what a lot of church leadership does. And that is that what church wants you to bring in your questions. You know what I'm saying? We're we're trying to get you to listen and obey and follow. We don't want more new questions that, you know, require different kinds of studies. We don't want that. We just want you to be more sure of what we're saying. And I realize that's incredibly, incredibly deeply rooted in our fellowships and in our churches. Um, Just no matter where we go. And it's just the mentality. And it comes from, you know, even even um, generations back when people in the audience couldn't read. Um, when they didn't have access or resources, by which is most of human history, where people didn't have access or resources uh, regularly, as not nearly as much as we do, to studying and study materials. And I honestly think we're just seeing the world now respond to everything being so accessible because we're just seeing the first couple of generations of women actually going to seminaries. Like we're yeah. ju- this is still fairly new in the world. Because yeah. it just wasn't a practice, whether it wasn't allowed or wasn't desired. Um, even, you know, when I was in college, um, there just there were some classes that women were not allowed to take because it was specifically wow. for ministerial students or people who plan to occupy pulpits. And if the idea is to get people ready for the pulpit, well, then, yeah, they're going to try to create a riff between the preachers and those who are just getting the degree. And it's like, oh, you start to see where the roots of this kind of thing takes place. And it's like, how much do you actually encourage people to be truly disciples and truly follow and truly, you know, be curious and truly listen and be observant? Because when I think of discipleship, as you mentioned it, especially how Mm -hmm. Jesus did it, um, there were disciples who listened to what Jesus just said, but then there were his disciples who watched Jesus. Like, I know we try to do all the programs and everything. We want, you know, this discipleship class. We want this door knocking event. We want all these evangelistic tools and we want, you know, the trainings and all those things. But just to me, to me, discipleship is let's go to lunch so that you can not so that we can have a Bible study at the restaurant so you can watch how I order my food from the waitress who isn't good at her job. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You know, you know, sit, 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 um, come, come to my, my kid's graduation, you know, so that you can see how to be supportive 
of yours and other people's families. Those are things that happen when the spirit is in control because the language and the evangelistic element that we focus on, we don't remember that they are still all above ground. It's still God doing the work. I believe it was Paul who said, I planted Apollos water, but it was God who gave the increase. Yes, like we yes. acknowledge at some point that all we can do in the presence of one another is the above ground work. And when God moves in the heart, it's our responsibility to give space to not just showing what that looks like, but also making sure that everybody understands that that's what the priority is, is that as long as the spirit of God is moving in your heart, then, you know, you don't have to coerce anybody to do anything. I'm not going to no. I don't have to force you to study anything. I don't have to force you to try to serve. I'm just talking to the people whose hearts are prepared to do those things. And that's how Jesus moved. It's just like you can come or you can go, but I'm going to keep on moving. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think the most concise answer to the question about how can we be better collaborators with God is to not stifle the spirit and to yeah. let it take root. Let it take root. We, we want it to take root. Um, be bold enough to let it take root everywhere in your life and not just in the spaces uh, where you are comfortable and familiar with it existing. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of my biggest pieces. I, this is my last statement. This is my last thought, I promise. But <laughs> one of the biggest elements of doing that that I'm just re just just realizing within recent history is know yourself. Yeah. Know yourself and know where your shortcomings are. Know your weaknesses. Know your failures. Know the places where your heart is weak. Because those are the places that God has determined to transform completely. He doesn't say a whole lot about your circumstances, but he says a whole lot about your internal well-being. It's like you, you, if you don't know that you have an anger problem, then what are you doing in church? You know what I'm saying? It's like you don't know that you have bitterness and you don't even want to ask yourself if you're bitter. It's just mm -hmm. how are you going to see the hand of God at work if you don't know yourself internally? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So ask God to reveal all of those things. Ask God to show you yourself because yeah, we can only yeah. understand so much based on our human understanding that is based on our human experiences. So this is also where the collaboration exists. It's not let me do this work on my own and then come and join God after I feel like I've done enough work on my own. It's ask God to do the work in you to make you a, a good collaborator with him. Hallelujah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I ain't got nothing else. I'm, no. I got. I got. I've got enough to think about. <laughs> that, that was plenty. That was plenty for today. I think we're good. <laughs> um, y'all, I'm hoping that you guys have enjoyed or benefited from or been blessed by or received the conversations that we've had. Camille, you got anything? No, no. I'm really glad that we're having this series of discussions that we've been getting into lately. I, I think it's been such a blessing, and I pray that it's been a blessing to anyone who's listening as well. 100 percent um well if that's it um camilla if you don't mind blessing us as we go out yeah absolutely let's pray god we thank you so much for the dialogue that we've had today we thank you for continuing to allow us to inhabit this space um, where we can just explore you your word your spirit and your will for our lives father i pray that all of 
all of those who are listening and were involved in today's discussion that uh, that that we will truly find a desire to collaborate with you. God, reveal to us all of the, the areas where we might need your help, uh, the areas where we need healing, God, um, and make us bold and courageous enough to go into that healing place with you, knowing that you're going to be there with us. Um, we pray that we will uh, I'll allow your word to take root, God, in every area of our life, even in the areas that we are afraid to give to you, that we're afraid to surrender to you. God, make us make us strong uh, and make us bold. Remove any fear that might be stopping us um, from from being more pleasing to you uh, and from knowing you more fully. We pray that you will um, bless all of our churches and, and the fellowship and those who are wanting to serve you. We just pray that you will create more room for your spirit, God, in all of those spaces uh, so that your will can be done here on earth. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much again, Camille, for your dialogue, your input, and your wisdom. Oh, thank you for Absolutely. yours. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> to those of you who are listening, we thank God that you have tuned in and kept tuning in, and we look forward to talking to you next time. So until then, may God bless you, and may God keep you. Bye, everyone. Again, we thank you for joining us. And if you have any questions, concerns, or thoughts, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at church at northsidecoc.church or on our social media pages on Facebook at Northside Church of Christ, the one in Riverside, or on Instagram at live.peaceably.